welcome. I'm Will. And I'm Alicia. This is Enter the Rabbit Hole. Each week we dive into and dissect the weird, the momentous, and the downright interesting. And today we're covering deep fakes. Yes, D is for deep fakes. And actually, we're really excited because we have our first special guest on today's show, don't we? Yeah, he's sitting right next to me. And here he is. Uh, welcome, Mr. Christopher Walken. Hello. Thank you for having me on your show. I was really surprised when uh, when you said you'd come onto the show. Yeah, you know, I just, your show is so good. It's so fun. I, I just thought, wouldn't it be nice to talk about deepfakes? Is there, as a celebrity, do you have any feelings about deepfakes or? Um, in a word, scared of the deepfakes. I mean, you know, scary. Sure, anybody could be impersonating anyone at any moment, even right now. Even right now, oh my god, it wasn't Christopher Walken, it was me, da-da-dun. I know, seamless, how could you ever tell? I mean, I, I was looking at your face, so I could definitely tell. Okay, but if you weren't looking at my face... I would have never known. No. Uh, that is the one impression that I can kind of do, but I'm willing to roll out some more uh, impressions for you. So I, I don't I don't know that that's necessary, but if if you feel like you need to. Yeah, okay, so I've got um this one. These are, are my tortillas, not yours. Get to the chopper. Yeah, seamless. Yeah, that's uh actually um So that um Syl Sylvester Stallone? Uh no. That's actually Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah I see it now. The departed, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, why in the world am I sat here doing bad impressions, you might be asking yourself? Uh, I ask myself that every day, uh, because you do bad impressions every day. I mean, great impressions every day. Thank um, you. but we're talking about, uh, impersonating, I guess, uh, faking things. Mm-hmm, yeah, deep fakes of things. So, uh, let's dive right in. What in the world are deep fakes? So, you've probably heard the term already, it's a term that's been in the zeitgeist for the past couple of years, uh, but what does it actually mean? So deepfake is a portmanteau of, uh, uh, deepfake, this is the part where you explain what a deepfake is. It is. Yeah, you go ahead. Wow. Wow. Um, so uh, let's start at the beginning. Possibly a deep deepfakes originated, according to multiple sources on Reddit in 2017. It could be the name of the user or just the subreddit, according to Chris Hume, who's a pretty famous deepfaker. Um, he thinks it's the name of the user who first created deepfakes. And since then, it's it's blown up. By 2018, deepfakes were being used in X-rated uh, movies, movies. And there's a subreddit where celebrities' faces were swapped with porn stars. Two tools kind of came out of this uh, first experiment with deepfakes, and those are FaceSwap and Deepface Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're still going to this day. People use those to create their their deepfakes. And those are free online tools. Deepfake is a portmanteau of deep learning and fake. Mm -hmm. So deep learning is when an AI uses a neural network to sift through 
unstructured and unlabeled data to teach itself something without a human super supervising them. Yeah, so this is what scientists have been working on for decades now. Uh, machines teaching themselves to be better at certain tasks. A little scary. A little bit. So an example of this would be a machine teaching itself to distinguish human faces by looking through millions of random pictures and identifying commonalities like an eye or a nose. And basically, it's just building up a database and constantly checking itself. So usually there will be two systems, one which creates a picture mm -hmm. and one which checks and says, no, that's not real. Yeah. So an example of this would be something that's known as a generative adversarial network or GAN. So uh, GAN, that's how I'm going to be saying it from now on, is a computer program where a producer presents a potential image to an adversary or a discriminator. And then the adversary or the discriminator has to try and detect if that image is fake. So the more fake images that are rejected by the adversary or discriminator, the better the producer becomes at rendering convincing fakes. So think of it like this. Um, I'm the producer and you are the adversary. And I'm going to show you a picture and I'm going to be like, is that a cat? It's very clearly a dog. Okay, okay, and then I show you another picture, and I'm like, is that a cat? Oh, could be, uh, what was the cat dog? The cartoon cat dog? It's it's just called cat dog, but okay. Yeah. Uh, is that a cat? Oh, might be a cat. Might be a mouse. Looks kind of cat-like. Joke's on you. It's a fire hydrant that ah! I just drew some little cat ears onto. So in that way, I get better at disguising fire hydrants as cats until eventually you can't detect the fire hydrants that I am sending your way. So in that way, the producer becomes much better at producing convincing fakes, fake cats or fake faces, fake likenesses. So Maha Pantish, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She's uh, the professor of effective and behavioral computing at Imperial College London, said that there are typically two techniques involved in deep fakes. Face swapping, which I believe you mentioned before. So this is the technology that was used in, you might have seen the recent TikTok videos where they did a really convincing likeness of Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise doing like a magic trick, Tom Cruise putting a golf ball, and then a really strange one where Tom Cruise is like eating a lollipop and getting really into it. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen them, look them up. So face swapping is the technology that they use there, and we'll go into a little bit more detail about later on. And then another technique, which is known as reanimation. So examples of reanimation. Again, you've probably seen a lot of these. There are videos like The Living Mona Lisa, which came out a few years back, or uh, The Living Marilyn Monroe Painting. So these ones were presented by Samsung's AI Research Lab in Moscow, I think back in 2016 or 2017. So... In face swapping, you take the image of a fake face and you layer it over a real face. And in reanimation, you take the static image of something, but the computer has been fed lots and lots of similar likenesses and then uses AI to work out how those likenesses could be meshed together into a moving entity. Yeah, I, I think in terms of which one do you think looks more realistic? I think horses for courses, mm. it, you know, because you can see some really convincing face swaps. You can also see some really convincing reanimations. I think reanimation 
has the potential to look more realistic because, for example, Edgar Allan Poe, you might have seen pictures of Edgar Allan Poe in real life, especially if you're like a total goth kid, but you've never seen an image of Edgar Allan Poe moving and talking and looking around the room. So you can't you can't marry that against anything in your mind. However, you can watch, you've probably seen a ton of Jim Carrey movies. So when you then see Jim Carrey put onto the face of Kramer from Seinfeld, you know, even if it's a very, very good face swap, your brain is still telling you, well, that's not quite right. That's not really what Jim Carrey looks like in real life. They can both look really convincing when done with the right tools and the right resources. I, I think you're right. I think it, it's, you can't really say definitively one is better than the other. In fact, there's, so of course, deep fakes are used in not safe for work ways, but there is a subreddit called safe for work uh, deep fakes, um, which is trying to get rid of the bad stigma. But basically, there are whole uh, discussions about like, wh- which do I choose? Like, which is better? Which is easier to learn? So it's, it's just two different ways of creating the same thing basically. yeah i guess some people might be looking at this in the same way that you want to become a youtuber or an influencer so you're using video, existing video editing software and teaching yourself how to become better and better at that conventional way of putting out videos you might now be looking at deepfake software and saying okay well i, I want to get good at this because i perceive this as being like a legitimate art form, a legitimate creative offshoot. And a lot of people, even though many people might find this really scary or really off-putting, other people are going to look at this and say, well, it's just another form of creativity. But it's not just about videos. So deep fakes are most commonly known for their videos, their TikTok videos, the YouTube. The YouTube. Um, the YouTube that the kids are into. <laughs> all the all, all the kids. Um, but it's also, uh, there are audio deepfakes and there are image deepfakes. So an image deepfake could be creating a photo of a non-existent person from scratch. Mm-hmm. And according, according to The Guardian, there was a non-existent Bloomberg journalist named Maisie Kinsley who had a profile on LinkedIn and Twitter who was probably a deepfake. And then there was another LinkedIn fake named Katie Jones, who claimed to work at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, but it was thought to be a deep fake created for a foreign spying operation, mm, which is a little is creepy. So what an image deep fake is, is using the same kind of technology to create a face. So you're not just stealing the picture of someone, you're creating a unique face out of an algorithm that generates faces, basically. And I guess what's really scary here is that people have been doing this for years to catfish other people on things like Facebook or Tinder, but this presumably would be harder to take their image and just do like a reverse image swap to find out if that's just like a generic stock photo from some free website. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the issue here, right, is that you could reverse search an image and you should if you if you don't know someone online and they're reaching out to you before you get too invested please do a re- reverse image search and see that they are who they are also don't trust people online yeah a including lot of people... us don't don't trust us yeah no definitely oh god us <laughs> if anyone reaches out to you and they're like oh my god i'm really 
this is going so well and we like all the same things and i love that you you love my favorite song as well um my grandmother's really sick though and i am gonna need that ten thousand dollars just wired into my account just like like yesterday if you could do that that would be lovely and i love you don't do that that person doesn't really love you they don't even have a grandmother let alone a sick grandmother i mean they might have grandmas but because they're people but yeah. you know but that's not your problem you're just yeah. trying to find love you poor poor idiot okay so uh so images and videos can be deep faked but so can audio it's deep fake using the same machine learning deep learning creates a cloned voice that is almost indistinguishable from a real one or we can use like a, an audio skin basically so it's the difference between creating a, a whole new voice and doing the audio equivalent of a face swap. Yeah. So an AI goes through a ton of data of recordings of your voice, and then it basically creates like a, a text so it can match what you're saying to the text. So if you have written out like a speech and your voice is reading the speech, it will compare what you, how you pronounce words to the speech or to the to the text so that it can understand how you pronounce specific phonemes. Which is scary considering that only a couple of years back my bank got in touch with me and said that they had to update my or sorry, they didn't get in touch with me. If your bank gets in touch with you about security issues, it's probably not your bank. But when I was doing some online banking, I was asked to update my telephone banking and then give basically say like a recorded line that I then use as like a password every time I go into my bank. So the scary thing here is how difficult would it be to take a sample of my voice and then just use that as my password from now on. So obviously I'm not saying my password on the air because I don't want you guys to get access to my dozens and dozens of pennies. So the audio program takes these phonemes and that make up your accent, your intonation, your pronunciation, and then it uses linguistic building blocks to guess how you will say words that it hasn't heard. Mm -hmm. And we listened to some of these uh, skins, didn't we, of various different celebrities reading the same text or singing along to the same song. So I think we listened to Donald Trump and uh, Notorious B.I.G., and who else were we listening to? JFK? Yeah, there's a, a channel whose name that I can't recall right now. It's on uh, YouTube. But but we'll put the link in the description for all our sources. Um, and he has, he or she has uh, presidents usually, but mm -hmm. other famous figures reading like copy pasta or famous speeches. And some of them... We, we talked about this. Some of them sound like like they don't quite work, like JFK reading the uh, copypasta for the Navy SEAL. Yeah, it's like, uh, listen, you motherfucker, what I did am you a say naval... To, wait, what did you say to me, you fucking shit, or something? Ah, what did you say to me, you fucking shit? I will come over there and rip your head off and shit down your throat. If that doesn't sound very good, that's not 100% off what the JFK one sounds like. Because, well, my theory there was that when you listen to JFK, he has that very old school style of presentation where everything's very measured. Like you, 
you've probably never heard a recording of JFK like shouting at somebody or speaking really quickly. So it's probably therefore more difficult to, to get that real wide sample of his voice. Whereas there is another one of Gilbert Gottfried reading Where it and it was spot on it's perfect because you're because all gilbert godfrey does is shout and it's uh yeah it sounded really convincing and also very entertaining um the one uh there was another one that we listened to of notorious big and that one's a little bit off for me because he was rapping in this one yeah and you're so used to his his cadence and his rhythm and his ability to manipulate the rhyme scheme that it just sounds ever so slightly off. It doesn't have that same kind of professional quality to it. Um, so, again, some of them are more convincing than others, but the convincing ones are really convincing. But it is, it, it's pretty hard. Like, none of these things that we're talking about are easy. There are programs online, but they're not easy to do. It's like if you just gave someone Photoshop, they're not going to make a beautiful photo. You have to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. um, so according to How to Geek, they have uh, an article all about audio deepfakes. And they said in the past, systems needed dozens or even hundreds of hours of audio. Now with the help of GANs, however, competent voices can be generated from just minutes of content. Because so many voice recordings are of low-quality phone calls or recorded in noisy locations, audio deepfakes can be made even more indistinguishable from the real thing. The worse the sound quality, the harder it is to pick up those telltale signs that a voice isn't real. So, yes, they are hard to make, but they can be difficult to tell the real thing. Because how many times have you heard, like, a voice interview on the news and there's just like the crackle in the background mm -hmm. or it's just really hard to tell so they always have subtitles up or a 911 call yeah a little bit of an audio delay or they're recording on just the microphone on their laptop so it sounds really tinny it it would be very easy to put in a plug-in which just adds in that layer of audio unevenness i guess to make it sound more convincing also this idea that you can fake somebody's voice from just a few minutes of their recording. Well, that, I mean, that's us. If, if you are listening to this right now, you, you could just go ahead and steal our voices and then contact us. And then you can record the show from now on. And then we can just play video games in our underwear. And that, my friend, is you're just making money on top of money. It's a dream. That's the dream. Um, so there are some medical applications of deep fakes that we will talk about later, but I want to touch briefly on a real scam that happened in March 2019. So the chief of a UK subsidiary of a German energy firm paid nearly 200,000 euros into a Hungarian bank account after being phoned by a fraudster who mimicked the German's the German CEO's voice. And presumably he wasn't doing the kind of mimicking that I was doing in the cannibalism episode where he was like, oh, yeah, now I need you to send me the money. It's very, very urgent. Put it into my account now. It was better than that, presumably. So presumably the fraudster called, supposedly he called three times and the... And not the CEO, but uh, the ch the chief, somebody under the CEO, heard this guy's voice and said that he had such a perfect, uh, he captured the way that the CEO spoke in like a really like light German accent. Mm -hmm. He has this really soft way of speaking. 
And so the first time he calls and says, like, I can't get the money. Um, so the second time he he calls and he's like, well, something's wrong with the bank. You need to send it to this account. And so they send the $200,000. And then he calls a third time saying, like, oh, it's not working. You need to send more money. So they've already sent money at this point, And this is, like, his attempt to get more. And by the third time, they're starting to think, something's wrong here. Why Why is he calling so many times? Why is the phone number coming from Austria and not Germany? Yeah. So there were a couple little telltale signs other than the voice that tipped off the receiver of the call. So I think this is like a good rule of thumb, right? When when we talk a little bit later about potential policing of deep fakes or how to spot deep fakes, if something does seem a little bit uncanny, whether it be something that doesn't visually add up or something that doesn't sound quite right, if something sounds too good to be true or if there's just something a little bit strange going on, that's a good time to just stop, take a breath and start asking some questions. So presumably they had somebody who was able to impersonate the the CEO really well to begin with. Yeah. So I think uh, this, this guy has never been caught, by the way. So this was in 2019, two years ago, and he still hasn't been caught. They have no idea who he is or how what software he used or anything like that. But he, well, for one, he has to be able to speak German. Um, and for two, he um, he probably has, either has a voice similar to the CEO or is able to mimic him quite well in order to then use the software on top of that voice. Do we know that it wasn't just the CEO who was trying to drain all the money out of his company and then just skip out of the country? And so they tell him, like, oh, yeah, I think there was a fraudster and he was calling and he sounded just like you. And he's like, oh, yeah, oh, really? That's so weird. Mm, crazy. Okay, well, anyway, back to work. It, it, we know that's not what happened, right? No, we don't know that's not what happened. Okay. <laughs> so maybe there's a fraudster he's still large or maybe it's just a very greedy CEO. Anyway, is, would this be a good time to take a break? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, all right, wonderful. We will rejoin you shortly. And welcome back. Hello again. So earlier you were talking about how in order to do a really convincing deep fake, you need a certain level of talent, you need a certain level of knowledge, you need really quite advanced sounding software at your disposal. Wouldn't it be really weird if somebody's mum just made a convincing deep fake? Yeah, especially my mum, because I remember being in elementary school and my mum helped me make a poster one time and she came to school and she was like, Alicia, I used clip art. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, congratulations, mom. And I wasn't even being sarcastic. I was like, well done. You did such a great job. That's a big deal. When my mom got a mobile phone and we're only talking like five or six years ago, that was a big thing. And I was like, oh, my God, she is going to join the 21st century. And, and uh, she only uses it now if she is going uh, on a trip to visit my sister. She will only have the mobile phone on her and switched on 
when she is on a bus. She just doesn't need it the rest of the time. So yeah, imagine if like your mom or my mom made a deep fake in order to like mess with your friends or mess with your quote unquote rivals. Sounds crazy, but this is exactly what happened and not that long ago. Uh, so I believe this was just in March of this year. A mother posted a video of her daughter's cheerleading rivals to get them disqualified, or at least this is the the story that has been circulating around these images. So three teenagers, their parents, and members of a gym that they were attending received anonymous text messages harassing them. Some of these messages contained deepfakes designed to incriminate and malign members of the squad. So all of these uh, girls were involved in cheerleading. The woman in question, her daughter, was on the cheerleading squad as well. And so she was just being a troll and trying to get all these people riled up. So the incident took place in Bucks County, Pennsylvania on the 3rd of March. Raffaella Spone, you know, I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. But you're uh, also not a great person, so... Allegedly, you're also not a great person. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, so the mother of one of the girls of the Victory Vipers cheerleading squad, she was arrested and charged with three counts of cyber harassment of a child, which is a thing, and three other counts of harassment. It sounds so much worse when you put it that way. Cyber harassment of a child. Like a grown woman cyber bullying a child. And we've all thought about it, like, come on, we've all been playing Call of Duty and you get pwned by some 12-year-old who lives halfway around the world from you. So we've all thought about cyber-harassing a child, but you need to stop and not do that. That's not a good thing. Just take a breath, you take know. Take a breath. Have a beer or not, you know. Yeah. Not with a child, again. Mm-hmm. That's an adult thing, so don't do it. So one of the victims, 17-year-old Maddie Hines, sorry, I'm laughing at the last thing, I'm not laughing at this thing. <laughs> One of the victims, 17-year-old Maddie Hine, was sent text messages saying that she had no friends and she should kill herself. Oh my god. This fully grown woman, allegedly, uh, yeah, she just told her to go and kill herself. The messages were accompanied by doctored images of Hine naked. Her mother also received notifications uh, from the owners of the gym where her daughter practiced, showing videos of her daughter vaping. So the gym has a policy against vaping getting pictures of this girl vaping outside the gym is obviously a big no-no and presumably designed to get her kicked out. Okay, but going back to the pictures of possible child pornography that you've created. Yes. Um, Where are you getting the pictures of the naked body? That's what I want to know because, like, is this a, the body of a fully grown woman? Uh, because... Having not personally looked at these images, I think we should all be pretty clear here. Presumably you go on like barelylegalteens.com or something and you get pictures of a not very old looking woman's body and then you you use that as your template. It's just so, so gross. You also, you have to think of the thought process that must have gone on here. Again, you're trying to create a convincing deepfake so this woman is then on barelylegalteens.com scrolling through images and she's like oh no she's bigger than that oh no that girl's too skinny oh no that girl's too dark you know like that that's what i mean the level like, of research involved there she she had to try and find a a naked body that matched this girl so she was thinking about this girl naked she's 17 that's so disgusting 
I mean, she's committed. She's uh, she's trying to get the job done. Eye for detail. Let's just say she's got an eye for detail. So one thing that I find a bit dubious here, although the term rivals is used to uh, in multiple reports on these incidents, there's no clear motive that's been established regarding Spone's harassment of her daughter's teammates and those around them. However, in a report from the Inquirer newspaper, one of the victim's fathers spoke of a potential cause for her actions. Quote, George Rattel said his daughter and the two other victims were initially friends with Spohn's daughter. He believes the harassment was triggered after he and his wife told his daughter to stop hanging out with Spohn's daughter due to concerns over the other girl's behaviour. He said, I don't know what would push her to this point. As a dad, I was pretty upset about it. It's an image put out there of my daughter that is simply not true. So, again, all, all the, the, the narrative around this... It sounds like this Raffaella Spohn's daughter was having a hard time on the team and that these other girls were giving her a hard time or whatever, but we just don't know that. And we really don't know what was going on inside this woman's head to make her go to what must have been a lot of hard work in order to defame other people. No, children. Other children. Other children. Yeah, here we go. Um, um But... Sure, we don't know. Maybe these girls were bullying her daughter. Maybe they were, you know, kids can be pretty cruel. That still doesn't give you the right to do what she did, though. Yeah, contact the school, have a parent-teacher meeting. Don't start making uh, really sinister, awful deepfakes of other people. So, yeah, you may have heard this story in the news, and I guess we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with that one. But, I mean, it's lucky for these girls that it was caught, because can I can imagine kids passing around deepfake images of kids in compromising situations, not knowing if they're real or not, and that taking a real toll on their mental health. 100%. I mean, kids will bully you for nothing. I, kids bully me all the time as a grown man. And I'm like, hey, this is nice. As a teacher, yeah. And they're like, you know, teacher, you, you suck. You suck ass. And I'm like, hey, now. Don't use that language. Hey, buddy, come on. You open your book. And then he just gives me the finger and I'm like, all right, I'm really thinking about putting you in the angry teacher box. But he never does. No, I'm just... It's a pushover. I'm really nice. Um, yeah, I can, I can see as a kid being really deeply affected by something like that, you know? And, and again, this is the question that we're going to come up against time and time again. It's so easy to look at something like this and be convinced like, oh yeah, I didn't really like that girl anyway. That must be true. You know, what I'm seeing must be true. And then just running with that. And then it kind of snowballing until you get to a point where even kids who haven't seen those images are like oh yeah, that girl poses naked, or like that girl vapes, or whatever, whatever the narrative is. Yeah, and I think because this is like free technology and it's becoming easier and easier to use, I think we will see that more and more. Not to say that all kids are, are mean or that they're inherently bad or anything like that, but just that I think most people have had experiences with bullying and it can start with something as simple as, as gossip. And when bullies have new technology, it inevitably becomes a tool in their bullying. I remember getting bullied on, was it a AIM? What's like the, MSN, yeah, Instant Messenger? Yeah, Instant yeah. Messenger by like two boys when I was like 12. Cool dudes. Yeah. Cool guys. And um, When I was a kid, 
the the rise of i guess at the time they were called like video phones because that's back when you know phones had so little memory you had to choose whether you were going to get the phone that could hold all your mp3s or the phone that could take videos you couldn't have both guys you had to choose and with these you had vi- to make the call and you had to make it fast yeah because that's you locked in for the next 24 months and kids i guess there was a craze called happy slapping this this was a thing in the British media for like a hot minute. Yeah, it, it's as bad as it sounds. So kids, for whatever reason, would go and like physically assault somebody else, i.e. like slap them and video it and then spread that around the internet as quickly as possible. Because isn't that great? Isn't that nice? People are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Some people are wonderful. Yeah. Um, but other people do horrible things like um, revenge porn. Yeah, let's talk about that. So much of deepfakes is porn-related. So according to The Guardian, the AI firm DeepTrace found 15,000 deepfake videos online in September 2019, a near doubling over nine months. A staggering 96% were pornographic, and 99% of those mapped faces from female celebrities onto porn stars. Which is really troubling, but it doesn't stop with celebrities, does it? No, because, of course, there is the really horrific trend of revenge porn, where people will take uh, videos of their partner after they've broken up, or maybe not even broken up, and put them onto websites for revenge Mm -hmm. and now they don't even have to have true videos they can map their partner's face onto a porn star and pretend so this is something that i found massively troubling and one thing that i find quite interesting is that pornhub uh you you may have heard of this website before Mm -hmm. Uh, not me maybe you know someone who has looked at this website um, but uh, Pornhub apparently have been quite proactive and they have a policy in place against showing deepfake videos. So how easy is it to then find deepfake porn? We look so you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, so we went on to Pornhub and we tried uh, just doing a cursory search of deepfake uh, porn videos and it's actually quite difficult to find them on there. However... They and they actually have a consent uh, and a guideline regarding this kind of material. So the guidelines state non-consensual content not only encompasses what is commonly referred to as revenge porn, but also includes any content which would seek to exploit or take advantage of any person or being without their valid consent, or seek to expose or share the identity of a person without their valid consent. It goes on to say. We are steadfast in our commitment to protecting the safety of our users and integrity of our platform and stand with victims of revenge porn and work alongside law enforcement authorities across the globe to assist in the investigation of such offenses, including non-consensual consent. So I was quite pleased, not only with that guideline, but the fact that we searched deepfake porn or deepfakes and it didn't immediately pop up. There was no tab for deepfakes. There was... No, like, images of a celebrity's face mapped onto a porn star. Yeah, it wasn't like it was under something else. Like, uh, if you if you want to look up pictures of people messing around with their stepbrother or stepsister, instead of looking for incest, you have to, like, Google fucked up family. It's not under, like, a different tab. It's just, 
it doesn't really appear to be there. So presumably they're being pro- pretty proactive in monitoring or reporting videos that, that don't adhere to that policy. However, However many of their hosting rivals, we're not going to mention their names because you know who they are. Uh, they don't seem to moderate their content as closely or have any qualms about displaying these videos. So a swift Google search of deep fake porn will not only... I think the thing that I found really disturbing was there, there's not only a lot of them out there, but that it's the same... And I'm going to use the term actresses because they're they're predominantly female actors. It's the same uh, actresses who are coming up time and time again. And what I found disturbing was that these are typically, like, actresses who are quite known for being reserved. Some that we've seen as child actors who are, in my mind, will always be kind of children. Yeah. And I think that's probably the most disturbing. Yeah, or actors who are seen as kind of embodying strong, empowered women. And then you are watching a video of them just getting railed by two dudes at the same time. And, you know. Look, there's nothing wrong with being both an empowered woman and enjoying sex or enjoying being a submissive. Anything like that. Your your sex life, your prerogative. I don't give a fuck. But to take someone without their consent and then force them into a position of being a submissive, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of empowerment, Mm. some might say. But then you came across something which I find really interesting in terms of laws surrounding deepfake porn. So this is specific to the UK because it was the another Guardian article that I was reading. And it said deepfake laws have been added in Scotland. So- Good job, Scotland. Well done. Good job, guys. Keep it up. In, in Scotland, revenge porn law includes deepfakes by making it an offence to disclose or threaten to disclose a photo or film which shows or, and here's the key part, appears to show another person in an intimate situation. So they're kind of covering their bases by saying it doesn't have to be true. It just has to appear to show that person, hence mm-hmm. deep fake. But in England, the statute carefully excludes images that have been created solely by altering an existing image. So basically, in Scotland, deep fake porn is illegal. But in England, if it's not real, what's the problem? It does pose some interesting questions, doesn't it? Because we're not talking about like a policed border where it's really difficult to cross from Scotland into England. So where does this come into effect exactly? That's the question I have. If you are a Scottish person who becomes the victim of somebody in England who has made a deepfake video of you, or vice versa, if you are a Scottish troll who then makes a, vi- a deepfake video of somebody living down south, where where do the courts step in? That that would be my question. Well, I don't... I obviously don't know much about UK law, but I do know some about US law and different states, different laws, right? Mm-hmm. So, especially in terms of, uh, like, if you're going to sue someone, mm-hmm. different states are more favorable to sue somebody in. And so people can sue if you are not a resident of a state. So you can choose a state to sue someone else in. Like, if you've ever watched HBO Slapsuits, the episode uh, Slapsuits, HBO and John Oliver were sued in Virginia, even though, um, what's his name, Bob something, the... 
the coal mine magnate that they were that they were roasting essentially. Yeah. He does not live in Virginia and HBO is not based in Virginia, but Virginia law applies if they are suing in Virginia. Right, of course. Uh, in the same way that certain serial killers are executed because of where they committed their murders, whereas other serial killers escape the death penalty because, you know, the, they either didn't cross state lines or they were only they only committed their murders in one state. Will has to make things make sense to him always through the, the lens of serial killer law. Yeah. Oh, just serial killers full stop. Yeah. So, like, if I have to measure something... You know, really like heavy. I'll be like, of blood yeah, or... like how many serial killers does it take to, you know, like fill a shed? Um, I'm like, well, this looks like a 17.5 serial killer type situation. Um, yeah, it's it's truly uh, an unnerving world that I live in. So, but yeah, if you happen to be more of an expert in devolved law, uh, then please get in touch with us and let us know what what would be the situation uh, in a scotland england deep fake porn type scenario yeah or if you know any other places that are maybe trying to be more progressive and and push forward these kind of laws because i know we think like well you're you're only damaging someone's reputation but that's a huge part of who a person is yeah and you can be like well that's not real but nobody has to believe you you can have proof and people still don't believe you. I mean, just look at a recent election, for example, where, <laughs> you know, a high percentage of the population of a country mm. that had an election recently don't believe that the person who was elected was really elected. <laughs> you know, maybe. Yeah. So you could you can have physical proof and wave it in front of people's faces and they'll still say, no. Exactly. <laughs> you, yes, that's how all the redneck uh, mm -hmm. survivalists uh, respond to it. Like, I don't think that's the real elected president. And they're like, they, they kind of smile coquettishly and cock their head to one side. And they're like, Monsieur, no. <laughs> no. While, while cocking their AR-15. <laughs> no. Anyway, that seems like a really good time to take a break. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh, let's all think about porn and take a break. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So, Alicia, I would love for you to tell me, how do I go about making a convincing deepfake? Okay. Well, I'm not going to get into the details, mostly because I don't know the details. But it's pretty easy to make a non-convincing deepfake, right? There are a lot of apps that you can use that will do all the work for you. Yeah, a, a quick sojourn to Google Play showed that there are, like, a wealth of free apps available just now if you want to do, like, a really simple face swap. But I wanted to talk specifically about that Tom Cruise deepfake by Chris Hume, who is a, a VFX artist and a professional deepfaker. And to me, that was a really convincing deepfake. But why was it so convincing? I think... For me, it was convincing because, one, 
the actor sounded a lot like Tom Cruise. There were movements specific to Tom Cruise, cadences, things that maybe he would do or or ways that he would move. He he captured that raw intensity mm. of somebody who is trying to win at having a conversation. That's what I felt. Like somebody who's met you for the first time but immediately wants to show you that like they're they're better than you. Yeah. yeah. Um not only that but like most deep fakes that you see are usually uh, a face straight on. Whereas this deep fake was him moving around. I think uh, in one of them he trips. Yeah. Does like a somersault. Kind of trips over a rug. Yeah. And comes back up. And never once does the face slip. They're like occlusions. So like when he puts on sunglasses, it doesn't look like they're floating in the head or like vibrating, which a lot of them do. Or something will pass in front of his face. Yeah, that I find kind of off-putting because you remember, uh, I guess, a year or two ago when the face swap apps kind of first became, uh, or the filters first became really prominent. And so people were kind of getting low-key catfished. People were, guys were pretending to be girls and like doing FaceTime with other guys. And then they would kind of do that thing where they turn their head to the left or right. And then all of a sudden they realize that they're speaking to another dude. Yeah, so they... I mean, presumably Chris Hume directed him to do that on purpose, right? Lots of movement. So all of this was on purpose to kind of challenge him. So he wanted it to be as difficult as possible, which is why they scripted in the rug trip. Like, all of the things that this actor, whose name I cannot remember, does is on purpose. Um, and he also wanted to do a full body shot because that is also more difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So according to Hume, you need a lot of data to accomplish this. As many angles as possible, expressions, light variables, as many variables in general as you can get. And luckily someone like Tom Cruise has a lot of that because he has hours and hours of footage. And I guess this is why when you think of deepfakes and you think of deepfake videos on YouTube, the names that you tend to think of immediately are people like Tom Cruise, Jim Carrey... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Nicolas Cage, because think about how how many hours worth of footage there is of them, either in movies or TV interviews, all all of that footage combined. I think it's it's that, and it's also because those people are very recognizable mm-hmm. in their facial facial features and also in like their intonation, the way that they speak. You know, there are some actors who, like, seem kind of interchangeable or you're like, "Ah, is that who I think it is? But someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're never going to confuse him for someone else, you know? So it's easier to kind of uh, make them recognizable in Mm -hmm. the same way that you would choose to do them if you're doing an impression rather than, I don't know, Gary Oldman. Uh, You would choose to do them if you were doing a terrible impression Mm. of somebody saying, like, get to the chopper. For example. Yeah, just uh, off the top of my head. Off the top of my head. Uh, so according to Hume, you first need to pre-train your uh, algorithm, your GAN, on 70,000 human faces, just any human faces, so that it, it can recognize the faces. Then you start training on a specific face, and then you need a video, which is your background. So the video that he used is one... The actor is a professional Tom Cruise impersonator. Mm-hmm. So his, like we 
like you talked about earlier, his face shape is already similar to Tom Cruise. He is already, and especially according to Chris Hume, does a fantastic job of impersonating Tom Cruise. So it makes it easier for him to change the variables. So his voice and his intensity, that's the actor. It's not like you could just pick anybody and make it look that good. That actor is doing a lot of the work. He said that he wanted to do this because if it's something like a front-facing video, you don't need as much info, like as much data. But if he's doing a full body and multiple angles, he's like the actor is leaning down, he's eating a lollipop. These are a lot more difficult. So what had to be done, first film the video, then you take out the face and frame by frame, replace it with an image of Tom Cruise in a similar position and similar expression. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at every frame, find a matching Tom Cruise photo from somewhere in your archive and input that and then take that and smooth out everything. Yeah. So the lighting has to match, the expression, the eyes are looking the right way. You're also, I guess you're talking about smoothing it out and it's the the edges on the on the side of the face where you would typically find those mismatches, right? So if somebody's jawline doesn't quite match up, that's where you would tell it's a deep fake. I think this a lot of this is the equivalent of the magician kind of passing the sword or the stick underneath the table to show you there's no wires, right? Or showing you the back of the cabinet to show that there's no hidden compartments or whatever. It's his way of saying, look at what I can do. So things like the lollipop going into the mouth, you can see all the teeth. So you can see that the edges of the teeth work. Or him kind of playing with his hair. It shows you that the hair follicles match up. The hair was the actor's real hair. That's one of the sure. only things that was the actor's real hair. Real. Sure, but, but it's still an example mm-hmm. of him. You're you're still questioning how is he doing this? Yeah, absolutely, and that that was part of his uh, point, I guess, in in making some of these videos is that he wants you to be involved in the discussion of one how how is this made? So like he is kind of like a magician, and two, he is trying to make lighthearted videos, so. There isn't anything maybe questionable about his videos. It's not like he's putting Tom Cruise into porn, but not only that, it's not like Tom Cruise is spouting out, like, it's not like a political agenda or a religious agenda. Yeah, sure. It's literally just him. He he tells a joke and he does a bit of a magic trick with the coin and he... Plays golf. Up, yeah, he tees up... Uh, uh, I, I don't play golf, so I don't know how to finish that sentence. He does a golf. <laughs> he does a golf. So yeah, it's all very lighthearted and it's all just to almost like proof of concept, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the face stuff. They also had to uh, do the audio, which is like transfer the intonation and the accent onto the existing speech of the actor. All of this is to say it's easy to create a deep fake, but it is very, very difficult to create a convincing deep fake. Mm-hmm. This basically what he said is that there was like a whole team of people behind this. Like mm-hmm. he's like basically like a small Hollywood team creating a deep fake. So 
it's it's not an easy process. It's he also mentioned think of it in terms of like Photoshop. Anybody could buy the software. Anybody could use the software, but it takes a personal touch, experience, and like a real knowledge of how the software works in order to create something that's convincing.、Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not just a a deep fake savant. You you need a lot of people behind you and a lot of resources at this stage, but. The AI is getting better all the time, and at an exponential rate. So I guess the question is, how far off are we? Just having an app on your phone where you click a button and boom, you've just turned your friend into Tom Cruise or Nick Cage or whatever. Also, this is this is the things that are these are the things that are widely available and freely available. We don't know what governments have access to. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about. Let's take a turn from the the light-hearted world of doing deepfakes purely for the art of it, and talk a little bit about governments and the potential uses of deepfakes in pursuing a political agenda. So many political pundits and news outlets opine that deepfakes would potentially undermine the credibility of the 2020 U.S. presidential campaign. Fortunately, former President Trump chose to focus on allegations of rampant mail fraud and familial links to the Chinese government rather than hiring somebody to make a video of Biden, for example, pissing on a child.、Hmm. Do I want to see that? Do you want to see Biden pissing on a child? No, I don't think I do. No, don't put that out into the ether because somebody will start working on that video right away. Please、and、don't do that. No, don't, and definitely don't say that we inspired you to do that. So, one group who were sufficiently worried about the use of deep fakes to destabilize political discussion and decision making were the nonprofit group Represent Us or Represent US. Which which one do you think it's meant to be? I think it's supposed to be both. Okay, like. Like、U.S. You, and us. It's one of those things like you you see it and you read it,、mm-hmm. but it it's like you don't say the the name of the movie Seven as like Se Seven and <laughs> right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right. Uh, so represent us or represent us. So in October 2020, they created and ran an ad campaign entitled Dictators. In two separate videos, you can see Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong Un. Poking fun at American politics, gloating about how they don't even need to try to disrupt、uh, or doctor the narrative because Americans can do that all by themselves. Obviously, Putin and Kim were far too busy with various appointments to pose for the actual video, so a couple of deepfake stand-ins were used instead, and the result is pretty uncanny. So I watched both of these videos ahead of time. The Putin one. Maybe because there are more videos of Vladimir Putin talking with his cabinet or addressing the Russian people, was a little bit easier to tell it wasn't him. I think not because the audio didn't match up to the mouth, but maybe because the voice just sounded like somebody doing a Russian accent or a Russian actor, as opposed to what you would think Vladimir Putin would sound like in English, because they're both speaking in English.、Uh, the Kim Jong Un one, however. Maybe because you never hear him speak, you could kind of believe that Kim Jong Un, like if he was Oxbridge educated, this is how he would speak in English, and this is how he would address like the U.S. people. And that one is pretty spot on. I think aside from the background behind him, which I think is just like a generic library or a generic drawing room, doesn't it, it looks kind of green screened, but the actor himself. 
it works really convincingly. So in an article on Mashable.com, Bianca Guamérez, executive creative director at Mischief at No Fixed Address, said, quote, The idea didn't start with the deepfake aspect of it. It was more of the technology that brought the idea to life. Instead of just using this with actors that look like dictators, we thought it would be much more powerful coming from the mouths of these people. Despite the powerful message, that same month the ads only reached half a million views online. And again, these are pretty fantastic videos, very convincing. They were originally meant to be aired on Fox News, CNN and MSNBC. However, the networks, for whatever reason, decided to back out. What do you think was the rationale there? I mean, those are pretty powerful people who have, especially Putin, known to have their fingers in U.S., multiple U.S. pies. So I can understand the fear of backlash. Yeah, although it is Putin coming out and being like, nah, I'm not even getting involved in this one. I'm going to sit this one out because you guys, you guys are going to undermine your own democracy all by yourselves. I think uh, represent us or represent U.S. stand for anti-corruption. So... I'm not saying the news is corrupt, but uh, Fox News, for example, is very famously pro-Trump. So this is kind of like an anti-Trump message. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole it's it's an anti-U.S. democracy message. But I think what it really is is a pro-truth yeah. message, or sure. a, a pro-fact, or a anti-post-truth message. Or an anti-pro anti-negatory positive message. Oh god, she's stroking out. So, I was thinking like in terms of deep fakes, like what what would be the legalities in the future? There are so many ads already in US politics which are which are legal to like defame opponents and some of those aren't true. Some of those aren't um, have no, like, factual base or any kind of, like, checks and balances behind them. So what's to stop a public, like, an opponent creating a deep fake video as long as the end says something like, this was paid for by, you know, the Trump administration or the Friends of Trump or whatever. Representative Jimmy Cochran doesn't want you to know he punches midgets on the street. I punch midgets. I punch midgets every day. I punch midgets in the morning, I punch them in the afternoon, and I punch them in the evening. Look, here's a video of me punching a midget right now. I'm sorry for using the midget word if that offends you. But Representative Jimmy Cochran loves the word midget. He wants you to know. I love the word midget. But, but speaking as Alicia right now, I don't know if that word is offensive, and if it is, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can appreciate your point. There is nothing to stop somebody putting out a very convincing video like that. And I guess there's already this. So there is a, a fantastic uh, podcast that I was listening to that's all about the world of QAnon. I have to be very clear here. It's not a pro QAnon podcast. That's not what I'm listening to. But all they do is they, they basically follow the QAnon drops uh, when, whenever Q, quote unquote, 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 releases a statement, they follow what they're saying and, and what other QAnon supporters are saying, and then they, they comment on it. And there was one that they released at the end of 2019, ahead of the, the beginning, I guess, of the US election campaign, where they were talking about potential use of deepfakes in the election campaign. And 
Q, quote, unquote, 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 was quoted at, quote, unquote, unquote. unquote. Oh, my God, stop. <laughs> he he was quoted as saying that he is anti-deepfake, which is really surprising because you think that QAnon supporters would want to use this technology to show images of Hillary Clinton actually inside the sex dungeon where they house all the uh, immigrant children that they're keeping down there to drain their life source or whatever. Um and actually what they were saying was that they are against this technology because they think that the Democrats will use it further down the line if one of their representatives gets caught on camera saying or doing something inappropriate that they are then going to turn around and be like, oh, that's a deep fake. <laughs> Which is so ironic because oh, yeah. <laughs> how many times has Trump turned around and been like, I didn't say that. Like, for example, his whole grab him by the pussy comment, which, by the way, please don't forget that he said that and that he's a horrific human being. But he said that that was fake and that uh, somebody made it up. He didn't really say that. Yeah, no, he he did. That that was part of his famous locker room talk. Mm. Just guys. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. Uh, Don't do this. (laughs) Don't gaslight your co-presenter and partner. Um, so yeah, th- that is their stance. So they're already sowing the seeds of doubt in the potential supporters. But let's let's be honest. That's a real possibility. That it it could be that a video comes out of a politician, for example, with an underage child or in some kind of compromising situation, and they just say, oh. That's fake. And imagine if they then disseminated a video that had been tampered with so that they could say, oh, see, this video has been tampered with. It's fake. It's a deep fake. How many people would believe them just because they said it was fake? Yeah, I guess this is we're going to come on to that later on when we talk about detecting and policing. Um, If this is all sounding pretty scary. How about we talk about some of the positive uses for deepfakes? Sure, but first, let's take a break. Welcome back. Hello again. All right, so we talked a lot about some spooky things recently, some some scary things, mm-hmm. some scary uses for deepfakes. I'd like to talk about some potential positive uses for deepfakes. Please. All right. Supposedly, sadly, your family member dies, and you don't have you don't have that voice message to call repeatedly that says, "Hey, just missed you." I'll, uh, I'll call back later. Love you. Is this an argument for just randomly leaving that exact voice message for everybody in your, in your phone book? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you should definitely do that. Or um, keep it as your outgoing message. Yeah. Um, or just record that somewhere randomly in, in case you suddenly and horrifically die. Then, uh, you know, a family member can obsessively listen to that over and over again. Healthy. Um. So I think Kanye West and Kim Kardashian... Uh, have been in the news recently, or was it last year? I think they were in the news recently because they're getting divorced. Oh, well, whatever. But 
a year ago or so, uh, Kanye West created a video of Kim Kardashian's father, Robert Kardashian, the famous lawyer, mm-hmm. um, saying how much he loved her and also how uh, amazing Kanye is because Kanye can't do anything nice for anybody without also making him, like, bigging himself up. We watched this, didn't we? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's nice in a way because it's a thoughtful thing. I would like to think that if one of our family members passed away, how would we deal with that for one another? How would we be there for one another? This is an example of that. However, it's also quite cringy. And especially the bit that you're alluding to where he's like, and your husband cares about you so much, and he is such, such, such a genius. At that point, I thought it was just glitching, like the hologram yeah. was just glitching. It was like such, 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 such. But he, yeah, he. Um, I don't know if it's like an in joke between them, or if he's literally like, "This is another opportunity. This nice gift I'm doing for my wife is also an opportunity for like self promotion." Yeah, I mean that's what it felt like, but obviously. I I I actively go out of my way to know as little as possible about the Kardashians and Kanye West. There's so, other things you can put inside of your brain. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're into it, you're into it. I don't really care. So, yeah, there's the possibility of, of creating a deep fake of the person that you love talking to you or, or being able to, like, the Salvador Dali com- uh, Museum, which has... A hologram of Salvador Dali that you can have conversations with. Mm-hmm. Um, so using that technology in a way to, quote unquote, bring someone back from the dead, which supposedly a, a movie was going to do with uh, James Dean. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Finding Jack. Yeah, but I don't think they actually made the movie. I think production was maybe halted because of COVID, because it was due to come out last year. So in this movie, it was going to be set during the Vietnam War and James Dean was going to play one of the supporting characters. And I I don't know if there are any clips of this movie out there. However, based on, again, James Dean, you're going back a while, but there is a lot of footage of him available if you wanted to train an AI to replicate his likeness. We watched that video of him playing the T-1000 in Terminator 2, and it's really quite convincing. I think the only telltale sign, and I see this in a, uh, a lot of the deepfake uh, videos, is like a slight, the the whites around the eyes don't quite work. There's like a, there's a blue tint to it that if you look really hard, you can kind of spot. There's also like a kind of smoothness, like they don't have pores. Mm, yeah. Like they're very luminous. But then with, you know... Nowadays, with the advent of like 4K and Ultra HD TVs, you probably see like a lot of people adding in that effect anyway in post production, just so that their actors like, you know, that you the actors always look flawless because they always are. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, it's a possibility of creating a, a video of someone you love, but you could also recreate your own voice. So, for example, say you you lost your voice to it to an illness, to cancer, an accident, like Stephen Hawking style, who was actually offered his own voice back to him. So he had been using his computer voice at this point for so long, and somebody uh, came up with a program for him to be able to use his own voice in place of the computer voice. 
but he refused because the computer voice had become so synonymous with who he was. Mm. What I thought was interesting, coming back to the audio fakes that we were talking about earlier, um, when you would think of Stephen Hawking, you would think of this style of talking where the words are slightly clipped at the end and they go up and down and atonally. And there's, you can see that the technology that we use to create his voice box, that that must be an ancestor of the the deepfake technology that they're using for audio fakes now because you can hear that similar kind of clipping and the similar kind of uh, uh, ever so slightly like atonal quality and, and every few words. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, the similarities between the two. Yeah, to me it sounds like some words kind of end almost prematurely. They don't have that kind of trailing end to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people have had their voices given back to them. For example, in 2008, a synthetic voice company called Seraproc gave uh, the late film critic Roger Ebert his voice back after cancer took it away. This is according to How to Geek, an article by How to Geek. Seraproc had published a web page that allowed people to type messages that would then be spoken in the voice of former President George Bush. Ebert saw that and thought, well, if they could copy Bush's voice, then they should be able to copy mine, said Matthew Aylett, Sarah Pock's chief scientific officer. And so he contacted the company and asked them to create his voice. And because he has footage of his voice and, and so much of it, they were able to give him uh, his own voice. And that's pretty incredible. Yeah. But unfortunately, he only ever sounds like he's really like disappointed. Vehement, like disappointed in something or like he absolutely adores something. He has like no middle ground. So like when somebody is like, oh, uh, what would you want in your toast? Do you want jam or marmalade? He's like, oh, marmalade sounds delicious. And they're like, okay, Roger, here you are. Something that I thought about while we were just having a conversation, uh, because you had brought up uh, implanting false memories mm. before, was couldn't we use deep fakes as a base for a false memory? Yeah, so this is um, off the back of an article that I read, and the article's entitled something like how deep fakes could be used to alter our memories. Again, we'll, we'll leave a link in the episode description. So in March of this year, a German and British team of researchers published preprint test findings on implanting and removing false memories. Writing about the study on thenextweb.com, journalist Tristan Green wrote, quote, The study was conducted on 52 subjects who agreed to allow the researchers to attempt to plant a false childhood memory in their minds over several sessions. After a while, many of the subjects began to believe the false memories. He then goes on to say, quote, The researchers then asked the subject's parents to claim the false stories were true. The researchers discovered that the addition of a trusted person made it easier to both embed and remove false memories. So basically, it was not an overnight process. It's not like somebody has a memory gun. They can point it at your brain and just go, and like now you believe that you know, JFK was never president. You have to have it done over the course of several sessions. I think they, they're they describing a childhood memory back and forth. And every time the researcher gives it back to them, they've, they've tweaked it ever so slightly. And, you know, they're doing kind of subtle body language and subtle word manipulation. And then you have a, fr- a trusted friend or family member who is on board to 
I, I guess, gaslight you, essentially, like positively gaslight you. You you can see the nefarious implications here. So you sure. can you can imagine, uh, you know, uh, having an argument with your mate at the pub who would swear down that Arnold Schwarzenegger was definitely in no country for old men. Uh, you know, you, you could see something like that happen, like encountering somebody who just won't budge on an issue. Yeah, or more nefariously, I know this is supposed to be a positive vibe kind of part, but how many times have police implanted false memories in in interrogations in the mm-hmm. U.S.? Imagine if they had technology in order to aid them with that. Yeah, the I... amount of people who have falsely confessed is insane, and if they had a deep fake to like back up. I mean, again, I think it's the same article where they were talking about how in uh, many parts of the U.S. you can straight up lie to a suspect and be like, Mm -hmm. we know where you were in the night of the murder. Everybody's flipping on you, Johnny. Everyone says they had, you know, you had it out for... It's like you can can very clearly imagine that scenario where you convince the suspect outright, like, oh my God, I did murder her. But... But... If you did have PTSD or, or childhood trauma, then maybe this could be really helpful. Yeah, you can imagine somebody trying to tackle some deep-seated childhood trauma using maybe a kind of talk therapy in combination with a deep-faked VR. Or maybe if you just can't get over your experiences of uh, life in a, in a war zone, if you were in the military maybe using deepfake technology again to recreate um, your, your time in country, something like that. Yeah, I think the the implications, the positive implications are pretty incredible. Um, you were saying it's kind of like a white hat hackers versus black hat hackers. Yeah, so you can kind of imagine something somewhere where people present a company or an organization with images of one of their members that have been deep faked just to say to them like, hey, we look, we showed your CEO tap dancing with a bunch of penguins. You should really be aware of this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, And just like lightly at the end, like in terms of like audio deep fakes, video games could use cloned versions of the actor's voice in order to utilize text to speech to make the characters more interactable with the player. So you you can always interact with a character visually, but in order to have a conversation with a character, say you're, you're playing cyberpunk and you really want to talk to Keanu Reeves' uh, character, what's his name, like V. Johnny Silver. Oh, Johnny Silver. Yeah. yeah, you're V. Um, then you have a catalog of, of responses, but also if the game has the ability to clone his voice and then is able to come up with responses in that character that makes a game so much more interactable. Yeah. You can imagine a lot of people being like, Keanu, do people like me? And then being like, of course people like you. You're amazing in every single way. You're breathtaking. Like, really, Keanu? Do you really mean it? Absolutely. You're more gorgeous than the waves in the movie Point Break that I starred in. And you're like, oh, thank you, Keanu. And... You've been sat playing cyberpunk for fifteen hours straight, and you, you haven't moved. <laughs> you haven't. You've you've just been sat in a coffee shop with Keanu Reeves. Um, and then and lastly, think about like Harry Potter style, like moving photographs. If you had like a photograph of like your grandma, and 
she could like talk to you and offer advice and kind of like move around the frame. That would be quite cute. Yeah, that's how we know that we're not currently living in the future is because there are no hover cars. Uh, you can't just run like household electricals on like recycled trash and... There are no people reading paper newspapers that, for whatever reason, have moving images on them. Just stupid tablets and stupid phones in your hand. That's not the future. Yeah, That's not sci-fi. this sucks. Yeah. I want my racist grandma to shout at me from a photograph. My grandma isn't racist, by the way. Oh, she's, she's really lovely. She's I don't know why you threw that in there. Because some people do have racist grandmas, and they don't want a photo of their grandma. Amen. My grandmas, all of them, all, all four of them were very nice. Do you want to elaborate on that? Or <laughs> let's just let's just move let's on. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, what are some of the ways that we could look out for deep fakes and kind of mentally prepare ourselves for this rapidly advancing world that that we're already living in in a lot of respects? Uh, so, Norton, the, the anti-virus anti-virus people, <laughs> not the pro-virus people. Uh, Norton, the guys who give you your antivirus and you know, routinely bug you about updating it, uh, released an article in August of last year, 15 ways to spot a deepfake. So the the article, uh, authored by Alison Grace Johansson, outlines some fairly common sense tips, uh, looking for unnatural movement, facial expressions, posture, etc. However, there are some less obvious signs that relate to things like hair and teeth, So both of these uh, are, because they're more detailed, they're harder to render for input data. So if you're not 100% sure whether the thing that you're watching is real or not, look for the hair, look for the teeth. Does it match up? Does it have a slight blur around it? But honestly, in terms of like the visuals, a lot of this stuff has come along so quickly. I was listening to an excellent Stuff You Should Know uh, from 2019, and they were covering deepfakes. And back then they said one of the things that you can look out for is blinking. So if the actor is not blinking, then you can guess that that is a deep fake. The reason being that most of the images that they're pulling of these celebrities, they've got their eyes open, of course. Why would you why would you submit a picture of somebody with their eyes half closed unless you're me at any birthday party that I've been to in my entire life? But then almost immediately. But then almost immediately... In modern deepfake videos, you have actors blinking, and so it's kind of taken away already that that one uh, telltale that they had. Well, according to Imperial College, there's uh, their system uses... Basically, it uses an AI that checks how the lip sync is accompanied to the audio. So Mm -hmm. basically, it checks, is this lip syncing to the audio correctly? And that's a quite difficult thing. I think most like VFX animators will tell you that the mouth is one of the hardest things to properly animate. And so it can be very difficult for a deep faker to get the mouth to match this new audio correctly. I mean, just look at the notorious images of um, Superman at the beginning of the original Justice League, the Joss Whedon cut, where... His mouth is all weird because they're trying to VFX out his mustache that he was grown for Mission Impossible. For that very reason, it's very difficult to, to accurately render somebody's mouth. Uh, there are other non-audio or non-visual things that you can look out for. Uh, so, for example, 
There are digital footprints that could be a giveaway. One is hashtags in the video. This article uh, from Norton Antivirus, quote, there's a cryptographic algorithm that helps video creators show that their videos are authentic. The algorithm is used to insert hashtags at certain places throughout a video. If the hashtags change, then you should suspect the video has been manipulated. Another thing to look out for is the blockchain tied to the video. This is the same technology that's employed in most cryptocurrencies. Basically, once the video is logged into a digital ledger, it can't be altered. This can help establish the video's authenticity via its origins. Reverse image searches could also be a potential solution. However, the downside with all these electronic means of detecting deepfakes is that they're more difficult for the average person to conduct by themselves. You've got to have some software savvy or some knowledge of computers to, sure. to make this work for you. The average person is not just going to look into the blockchain or the hashtags in the video. Yeah, and this is especially uh, given that society's media literacy is not especially high. Bottom line, it's hard to be discerning with your video when your window for news consumption is tied to the length of time that you can watch videos while sat in the toilet. I mean, that's true for all things, isn't it? Yeah, you can only sit for so long before you just start losing Numb. feeling in your legs. Numb butt. Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing here is just being aware. And I think, like, being media literate. Is this something that this person would say? Is this something that this person would do? If you have questions, look into it. I mean, look look at the source, look at everything surrounding the video. Is is this a credible source? And, and why is this video being put out? Who benefits from this video? Those are questions that you should be asking about anything that you consume. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's just that level of media literacy. You always have to ask who benefits from this, really. So anyway, any final thoughts? I mean, I think it's it can be scary. I think any technology can be scary. Mm-hmm. Think about like when moving pictures became a thing or, or cameras or a cell phone. I think about all the time kids who are on social media from the day that they are born. You know, some things that we never had to deal with growing up. That That can be quite scary, but that's the world we live in now. And... Just because it has the potential to be bad doesn't mean that it is bad. Yeah. You can also think of some of the things that people used to find scary in the past. So one example being uh, the world's first horror movie was the one where the train is coming right towards the camera, right? And people were supposedly like bursting out of the theater because they were convinced that the train was going to come out of the movie screen. But people didn't have the same level of knowledge nowadays what constitutes a movie what happens behind the camera another example being uh, a lot of people think that the nessie craze took off after the movie king kong was released and because in the movie king kong there are all these like plasticine dinosaurs and because you've got this giant monster etc etc that idea that was then placed in the zeitgeist you saw a lot of the, the the famous doctor's photo, which is the one where there's kind of like a vague outline in the middle of the, the lock. Yeah, the hump in the lock. People, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, if you're down. Um, people looked at that and at the time and they find it very convincing. And you would still find it people who find it very convincing nowadays, but only there, there needs to be something else to suspend your disbelief there. And I think you're absolutely right that people's 
media literacy does increase over time, the only question, I guess, is how many people get caught out on the way, you know? Sure. How many people get duped? We can say that in terms of anything, unfortunately. I think for you personally as a listener, be aware of what you're consuming. Be aware that this technology exists, that it is growing. Um, Look out for ways to to spot a deep fake. And also be secure in things like your passwords and your identity. And make sure that if you have like elderly parents or... Um, someone in your family that is more susceptible to scams. Like, it's not just deep fakes. Help them be aware. Definitely. It, it's more than just being media literate yourself. It's also helping educate those around you. Anyway, that's been our show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please join us again next time for E is for something. All right, see you next time. Ciao. Bye. Enter the Rabbit Hole is written and presented by William Grant and Alicia Palmer. The music was created by Glenn Marshall. More information and sources can be found in the episode description. You can email us at etrhthepod at gmail or follow us on Instagram at etrhthepod. Thanks for listening.